Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You know what I want. <laughs> Not Samson, Greg. Not Samson. Not what? Not Samson. Hey, that is really, really bad. The Raptors lose in overtime to the Chicago Bulls 104-103. to In what was, in the short, you described that game as a comedy of errors. Yes, there's some missed calls. But also, the fact that the Raptors made mistakes, at mistake after mistake, there was a complete dearth of the ability to close this game out. Some of it's shot making, sure. Some of it is a bad foul call every once in a while. Some of it is terrible decision-making defensively. Terrible terrible decision-making with the ball. Sometimes the ball doesn't bounce the way you need it to. But when you have a Scotty triple-double, you have late threes from both Schroeder and Scotty. You get four overtime points from Chris Boucher. You have to look at this game as like just a complete... They they lost it, you know? that Like, I thought the offensive foul on Siakam that Caruso got the ball on, like, I, I didn't think that was an offensive foul. But he got a clean strip on Siakam, came down the other way, and hit a three. Pascal missed both of his free throws, right, in, in overtime. And the Raptors, they didn't have a good look down the stretch because before the ball got to Siakam, they're running their possessions. Like, you hear Pascal come up the floor. He's hitting the X. They know they want to get, like, the weak side possession for Scotty and Dennis and see what they can create out of that. That's their first option. Completely, they're like, we're seeing if Scotty and Dennis can create a possession for us. Then, at the end of the shot clock, it funnels to Siakam on the weak side. He's providing support above the break. I see somebody saying, like, why do these late games possessions keep funneling to Siakam? Well, they're trying to go other places first. They they very clearly wanted to work with Scotty and wanted to work with, man, um, um, Dennis as well. But the ball... It went Siakam late and man, getting stripped, having that three come down on the other end. That's tough. The two missed free throws. Sure, he hit the two in, you know, regular time. That's fine. It was good that he hit that. But man, that's that's tough to see. The Raptors, they had enough things go their way. Why not just clear a side for someone else? Um, they did. They cleared the side. But uh, when you clear a side, um, the team can shift over and the Raptors didn't have the commensurate amount of shooting on the floor to make the Bulls not want to overload on Scotty. So they were clearing the side for Scotty. That's the point of the, the pick and roll between Scotty and Dennis is Scotty sets the screen. If they get a switch, he's going to get the ball in that mismatch, right? And he's going to have an empty side. If they play at the level against Dennis, uh, Scotty has an ability to roll to the screen. If nothing happens, if Dennis can't turn the corner, Scotty pops out and can try and take, you know, an empty side against the big man. But what happened a lot of the time is that the, the help came over and obviously um, the, the Raptors had a tough time navigating that. It's tough, man. 
it's it's a tough game and the raptors you know what there's a few things right you want to focus on the things that process wise didn't work the raptors process wise were completely reliant on like above the break threes and broken plays to score at the end of the game they had a little bit of stuff going on but like having chris boucher get an offensive rebound get to the line having him like run a 45 cut on a broken play and make a layup that's not something you can plan for every time having dennis hit a three not something you can just bake into the game plan having scotty hit an above the break late clock three not something you can just bake into the game plan and also having siakam as the guy at the end of these possessions that's something they bake in and it goes poorly so everything they were trying to do well and trying to establish is like this is process this is how we'll succeed late in games that just it didn't go well for them at all and the bulls you know the game doesn't come down really to an alex caruso made three it does and it doesn't but also like demar getting to the rim whenever he wanted demar getting to the free throw line in a multitude of ways all of them each more frustrating than the last it's like there you go, man. I can't believe the Raptors figured out how to lose that game. It seems like difficult. The the runs they gave up in this game, like yes, they gave up a 40 to 9 run to kink th- to kick things off. That was a tough pill to swallow. One of the toughest. Yes, they gave up a huge run at the end of the game to give up the lead. They turned the ball over. They made insane mistakes that we might not even see them make again this season, but just it speaks to like, hey, what the hell is going on over here? And get this, they got to come back here and play against Philly tomorrow. Crazy game. Like, the biggest lead that Chicago had was 19 in this game. The biggest lead that the Raptors had was 17 in this game. This was nuts. This, (laughs) I have a hard time summing up that game. Because when I'm looking at this game, and it's coming down to the fourth quarter, I'm obviously thinking that the Raptors are going to be able to sort this out, figure this out. There's a couple things I want to hit on. I'm like, okay, they're going to win. We get to talk about Grady Dick, despite not hitting a shot, playing like fantastic around the court. We get to talk about Scotty having a triple-double and just carrying the Raptors as like this guy who does everything, some, some things he struggles at, but he's succeeding at so much you can just focus on it. But now, considering all the things that went wrong, the Boucher foul, the offensive foul, the missed free throws, the Scotty catch the ball, there's no longer pressure. Just throw the ball away. Like, what? what is going on? None of this even makes sense. And then, as I said, you know, at the end of the game, in the, in the overtime, the Raptors, they're not able to create the looks that they want. And maybe part of this is that the Raptors, they didn't have OG Ananobi there, right? Like, that's, that's a big deal. OG is extremely important to the health of the offense. He's extremely important to the health of how they want to space the floor and set up these set actions. And Jakob, despite, honestly, I think Boucher really coming into this game, he was like a plus 23 or a plus 20 around there. He helped close out defensive possessions. He was good in rotation. He did a fantastic job. Precious had, you know, a a good spurt earlier in the game. This was a team that could have avoided this position where they got to figure out more of their limitations. They certainly did. Um, this is a team that could have avoided all of that with just a little bit better decision-making. That's, that's the thing that makes this the most upsetting, right? 
is <sighs> this team was it's in the clutches, man. They gave up an 11-0 run right at the end of the game. You have to be able to stop these things. Having Scotty get the ball and get to a spot and hit like a contested hook shot, fantastic to see. But you can't get that possession every single time down the floor. They have to be able to create elsewhere. They just weren't able to. This is this is a team that, once again, struggles immensely to create shots. Um, Darko coming in, preaching .5 offense, that's fine. Expecting career three-point shooting years from everyone across the board, that's fine. But that's not really the case. The Raptors still struggle immensely from a lack of shooting. And that was exacerbated down the like down at the end of the game with OG out with that that leg cramp, the same one that he had a problem with in game one. And points per play in the half court, 74.7. That is point that's too higher than the, the first game, where it was 72. Both of these would be squarely in the bottom five of the Raptors whole season last year. And it's the first two games. The half court offense is really, really struggling. I that 40 to 9 run, I could hardly believe what I was watching. They ended up deciding like the clear advantage that we have over the Bulls to score the ball is to isolate and post up with our bigger wings to initiate that way, which for anybody paying attention is how the Raptors succeeded on offense last year. Skill sets are dictating what's happening on the court, right? Coaches can have ideas about how you want to run, what you want to do. Skill sets still determine a lot of what is successful. Early on, when the rubber meets the road, the Raptors are being forced to go back and look at their skill sets, mismatch hunt. Unfortunately, after climbing back into this game, ending up leading it by the early third quarter, taking control of it, that mismatch hunting for Pascal and for Scotty, I mean, Pascal ends up with what? three turnovers scotty ends up with seven turnovers pascal misses those late free throws pascal obviously on the penultimate possession gets stripped it's like it's tough i mean and, and og in these types of like we saw og come into game one he has 20 points the same way that he had 20 or 20 in game one last season is like the ball's moving He's getting up and down the court in transition, getting a dunk, hitting the open threes. In this game, when the ball finds OG's hands in an advantageous position, it's good. He's making good work of it. But trying to decide between, okay, we're going to move the ball just to move the ball. This is what Darko talked about, you know, at the end of last game. Lewis Satzman asked him about this, like, hey, is this, is this the formula? Is this how you guys are looking to win? Defense, transition. That's that's how you do it. And Darko talked to a few different people about, hey, man, we have to move the ball when it's tough. We can't. It's easy to move the ball when you're winning. It's easy to move the ball when you're making shots. The Raptors, for example, shooting 40 percent from three in game one. They shot nine of 36 in game two. This is not a team that's going to shoot the three ball well. Nothing, nothing dictates that. There's no predictive stat that says this is going to be a team that shoots the ball well. There is no statistic that says this collection of players are going to shoot the ball well. The corner three pain continues. I've seen a couple people say the corner threes. The Caruso one, I don't care about that. That was a transition corner three. 
they had to stop the ball going to the bucket. They, it's that's just the way it turned out. I think uh, we have a comment. We started losing immediately when Malachi got on in the first. So this is this is a big deal. Malachi, the bench, the Raptors, their starters, they played pretty damn well. Somehow, Shooter and Siakam are both negatives at the end of this game. Siakam a negative two, Shooter a minus six. Part of this is because they had to try and carry bench units. There's also kind of a sneaky thing here where Pascal played 41 minutes in this game. Scotty played 38 minutes and 30 seconds. You want to talk about legs. You want to talk about this kind of stuff. You want to talk about playing your players a lot because the bench isn't there. We saw this last year, and the Raptors bench wasn't very good last year. You know, everybody knows that. And the bench is expected to be better this year, but not if McDaniels is not going to hit a shot yet this season, and he's had plenty of minutes to do so. He's had a lot of... The ball has hit his hands many times. If Malachi is going to bring you nothing, if Otto's not going to come off the bench, Grady, I thought his activity was awesome. He's a rookie, and that's he's not getting any guff from me. I thought Grady's decision-making was elite. He missed two threes. Who cares? Gary really turned it around in this game. but that's just, and, and Boucher was awesome down the stretch, even with, um, even with what happened, the fouling. Um, yeah. This team, what looks dependable? The defense. And the defense, you allow a team to score 104 points with overtime, your defense was incredible. The defense was incredible tonight. They went on a 21-0 run over the span of like eight minutes. The Bulls didn't get a single field goal. This team, a lot of guys did their job. Certainly. A lot of guys struggled. And the Raptors are still, you can feel it, boom, boom. They're trying to gel a play style that pairs extremely well with shooting without that much shooting. And we're seeing the limitations of that. I, it seems to everybody who is just joining, I've talked about the, what, I've talked about the mistakes that were made. I've talked about what has happened. We got to keep talking about the game. For the people who listen to this afterwards, but man, as far as what the Raptors are trying to accomplish, the defense was great in this game. They made mistakes down the stretch, yes. Those mistakes would have been absolutely meaningless. If you can give up 11 points down the stretch, you can't score zero. You can give up 28 points in the fourth quarter. You can't let them get that huge run at the end. This game lies squarely, and I mean squarely. On some turnovers, yes, but the Raptors' complete inability for the second game in a row to score in the half court. There's nothing else to blame this on. Yes, like you look at the game and you say they made mistakes. <whistles> Certainly they did, but they have to try and make plays on the court, and their over eagerness to make plays on the court, part of those mistakes that they're making is because they don't score easy baskets. This this is what it is. This You can play more relaxed. You don't have to go jumping after DeMar DeRozan when he's got the ball late in the clock. If you just score like six points over the course of six minutes or something down the stretch, that's, that's what it is. I don't think this is basketball IQ. I don't think this is anything like that. The Raptors held the Bulls to, at this point, the worst half-court offense so far 
the worst half-court offensive game of the NBA season so far. They held them to a worse half-court performance than the Raptors yesterday. They're like 67 points per 100 possessions. They were elite. The Raptors were also really bad. They weren't efficient in transition. They made mistake after mistake in transition. And guess what? They can't score the ball very well. We're being slapped in the face repeatedly with this. It's, it's tough, man. If you can't score the ball, you're going to have to lean on a lot of other things to try and mitigate for that factor. And the Raptors, some more gambling in this game than last game. Not only in decision-making that led to turnovers, but decision-making that led to free throws. This is a team that has to try really hard to get their offense from somewhere. And if they lean into the defense, turnovers, they're going to make more mistakes. That's that's what it is. So the the big the big great thing about this game the the defense is great. Now, you lose the game at the end because the Bulls score the basketball, yes, but the defense was incredible in this game. Another thing, let's read off let's read off Scotty Barnes' stat line to cool everybody down. 9 of 14 from the field. Only took two threes, but made one of them. A huge make down the stretch. Three of four from the line. Ten boards. Ten assists. Two blocks. 22 points. A plus 15. A lot of the mistakes that were made at the end of the game were a lot of the lack of punch that Scotty had at the end of the game was just because he had five fouls. The ball is getting funneled to him now lower in the defense, and... To be fair, even though Zach Levine is dealing with, my goodness, like a back problem, certainly, um, holding Zach to those numbers, playing a lot of minutes on him, I was really impressed with Scotty's defense tonight. These are huge wins. Mention the seven turnovers. Uh, yeah, I, we talked about the turnovers already, but turnovers, big mistake. Scotty having seven, Pascal having three, no good. Jakob having three, no good. Jakob having three turnovers and no assists, you just can't have that at all. Um, I thought that Scotty played a fantastic game. You can't be perfect down the stretch. And when the team as a whole is not giving a consistent performance, the per the singular mistakes that are made by each player get over-examined. Like that's, Pascal played a pretty darn good game for a lot of those minutes. Got tired at the end, played 41 minutes, missed free throws got stripped the game is there made a lot of good decisions but the game is there it's tough man i saw a question do i still think malachi is a good second uh second draft candidate and what that means is that when malachi's you know his contract is up with the raptors does another team take a chance on him and kind of like this guy had pedigree was a first round pick do we see what's happening there <sighs> Malachi was bad last game. Malachi was bad a lot in the preseason. He had one good game, and Malachi was really bad tonight. He is not able to command the floor as a point guard. He is not uh, a good enough shooter to space the floor a ton as a smaller guard, and the, the playmaking stuff just isn't at the level that it needs to be, and the defense hasn't been where it, it has to be either. So, in short, Malachi who will get minutes over the course of the season, certainly. Uh, I, 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 he could completely disillusion all the other teams with the second draft idea. 
Malachi will have to work very hard to stay in the NBA and not end up in Europe or something like that, right? Um, I see a few questions about Otto Porter Jr. Otto is a guy who's been dealing with health concerns for a huge part of his career. Nothing has been reported. I haven't personally heard anything. He might be playing himself into shape. This is something we're seeing with OG. OG has a muscle cramp in game one and game two. Part of that is like hydration. Part of that is conditioning. And I'm not saying OG isn't conditioned properly. It's just, it's the start of the season. Guys have to get into the swing of things. I suspect Otto, maybe four or five games in, we can see him start dialing it up. And on the second night of a back-to-back, which is tomorrow, maybe Otto, you know, steps into the fray for seven, eight minutes. I guess we'll see. That I was asked, is that the craziest game I've ever seen? Um, I don't, uh, that was one of the crazier finishes that I've ever seen, but, uh, yeah, not the craziest because the, (laughs) not the craziest because the stakes weren't that high. It's the second game of the season. The Raptors, this game sucks to watch and to watch them kind of like piddle it away, but this won't decide their season. Of course, there's predictive things here. You can see what they're failing to do, and you can see how that very much led to their loss. The complete inability to score is is a tough thing to get over, but it's not the craziest game I've seen. Probably the craziest second game of the season I've ever seen in my life, to, to be sure. But this game doesn't decide the Raptors' season. It does, however, really help um, illustrate what the Raptors are, are struggling at which has been completely transparent through two games. The Raptors are existing like completely in, in the polarity. The defense is incredible. Extremely good defense. The offense is terrible. Extremely bad offense. These things will find, they'll normalize. We have to hope, certainly you have to hope, that the Raptors, who their half-court scoring, their points per possession, over 100 possessions, last season was like 94.9 one of the worst in basketball at 94.9 currently they're at 73 the jump from 73 to 94.9 i'm telling you right now would have had both of these games well in hand the raptors they have things they have skill sets the lack of it that they need to navigate and uh yeah we'll see this uh will it be normal for them to play like this i Maybe not 25% from three. It won't be 25% from three every game, but we're going to see a healthy amount of games where they hang around between like 25 to 30% from three. Certainly. I think that that's, um, that's well, that's to be expected. And um, is it normal for them to play like this? Yes. What, what was the big difference is that, you know, the Bulls, like the Raptors, they started going to isolations and post-ups to score. Everyone saw that. The Raptors completely changed their offensive approach. 0.5 offense is dead. It's gone. We're trying to find mismatches. That's what they did. This is how they ran offense last year. Their offense picked up by an insane amount from that point on. But also, they they struggled at the 0.5 offense stuff. They moved away from it. And why? Because you have to do a good job of shooting the ball and dribbling the ball and doing those usually guard adjacent skills to make teams guard you higher on the floor to open up the paint and to provide 
good looks. The Raptors, if you're not moving the shell of the defense, if the defense doesn't have to move outside of the two point of attack defenders in a screening action, guess what? 0.5 offense doesn't matter because if you swing it to the other guy above the break, the rest of the defense still in place. You're starting from zero once again. It's tough. They have to navigate this stuff. For anybody who listened to my podcast, who anybody who reads my work, I talk to coaches about this. I talk to scouts about this. I talk to the people who are considered the best analysts covering the game about this team. Nobody thought the half-court offense would be good. We're dealing with the known. We're dealing with the known of this team. This was 100% expected. This is what people thought. But we're also dealing with the known in that Scotty is a freight train who's carrying a lot for this team. He's putting up massive stats. And these aren't empty stats either. Seven turnovers, the last one, terrible. Yes. Really, really hate that. Don't like to see that at all. But he's finding enough wins on the floor to justify his extra amount of possessions. He's giving you way more defensively than he's given in the past, at least consistently. And the Raptors, the defense is really great. We're dealing with knowns. Some of the knowns are really bad. Some of the knowns are really good. This is a Raptors team that shouldn't be defined by its wins and losses because nobody, nobody in the front office, nobody on the coaching staff, nobody among those players has been talking about this team like it's a contender. Nobody. They're saying we want to change the way we play. They're saying we want to be able to command a different style of offense, to lean on different things defensively. They're trying to put new principles in, and these principles, hopefully, will mesh better with whatever roster they have two years from now when Darko's still coach and Scotty is an all-out star, all that kind of stuff. This is, this is the team. So, yeah. Here's a good question from Data. I, do you guys say Data or Data? Data feels like more formal, so I'll say data. Data underscore deuce. Sam, serious question. Do you really think we have the personnel to keep up with the pace with the rest of the NBA? They certainly can. They don't have the personnel to shoot with the rest of the NBA right now. We also have a question that says, why try if you're not going to contend? Because you have to navigate the middle ground between being bad and contending. You have to, as an entertainment product, provide a team that's worth watching game in and game out now everybody is probably thinking that was a really bad game to watch i can't believe how many mistakes there were i can't believe all of the different mistakes that were made but here's the thing man um what like six teams maybe 10 in the height of parity are contending a year you're not contending every year you have to be able to bridge the gap and not every team can go from robinson to Duncan in one year. Not every team can go from Duncan to Kawhi. Not every team can do that. And it's it's tough. This is a transitional period where they have to lay the groundwork for what they want the team to be in the future. That's my take on the, on the team building stuff. The bet is made though. The, the bet is undeniably made. Siakam is probably not signing that extension. Siakam's gonna be a free agent. Gary's gonna be a free agent. OG is going to be a free agent. That is going to be a free, like, well, that is just won't be under contract. But like, man, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. The Raptors, 
they're deciding about the future. They're getting new data. They're getting new play data. They're seeing how the team is going to work in something like this. And um, yeah, we have a couple questions about, uh, we have better call it the ref, Samson. You're 27 minutes in, brother. Like, uh, th that's the aspect of, I usually just record these things. Thousands of people listen to this podcast on their walks and stuff. So there has to be a linear fashion to it. I can't just go back and talk about all that stuff. But I did talk about the refs a little bit at the start. We also have, why do we keep putting Pascal out in the wing or top of key and not on the block? I talked about this earlier, but late in the game, Pascal is above the break because he was the second option. Pascal was the second option late in the game. As bad as that sounds, he was the second option late in the game. And that means that they're trying to put Scotty on the block. And when this team is not able to create that advantage for Scotty on the block, and there's eight or seven seconds left on the shot clock, it goes back out to Pascal above the break. And Pascal above the break, the team in that situation decided that Pascal is a better option above the break than Gary. That's who they're deciding between because it's Boucher, Gary, Pascal, Dennis, and Scotty. And Dennis is running the primary action with Scotty. So that's kind of what uh, what the situation was. But obviously the Raptors, if OG is out there, some of this stuff gets a little bit easier. He has way more gravity than both Pascal and Boucher on the weak side. Maybe maybe the, the Bulls don't get to hang a goalie in the lane on the, the Dennis and uh, Scotty primary action if OG's on the court. Maybe not. And maybe as far as like Pascal having that driving lane from the weak side, getting stripped, maybe there's less help provided if if OG is on the floor, spacing the floor out, right? So there's there's some difficulties here. The spacing is something they have to figure out a bunch of times. They're going to have to figure out a bunch of different stuff. The Bulls made a really quick early adjustment to what the Raptors were doing down the stretch. Well, actually, they did it after their first timeout, after they went down 16-4. And then the Raptors' 21-0 run later in the game, that wasn't so much like dominance offensively, my goodness, it would, it was a product of the Bulls just not scoring the ball for eight minutes in a row. That's a long time to not score the ball. I would love to see another point guard beside or behind Dennis. This team doesn't have it. I wrote a big feature about Javon Freeman Liberty. I expect good things about him, but he's certainly more like a combo. And he's not going to, a two-way player is not going to save your team or save your offense. He's meant to come in at best, accentuate what's working and help other guys. Let's talk about Grady Dick because somebody's saying, I miss Dick's minutes. How'd he look? Grady Dick looked awesome. He was pressuring the offensive glass as a rebounder. He was making perfect cuts. Like he makes really genius cuts. He missed one. Um, he jumped the passing lane and was about three inches short of stealing the ball, but recovered in time to help and and Siakam also played over so that it wasn't too big of a mistake on defense. He missed both of his three-point shots, but these weren't like, oh, gifted three-point shots where the offense was trying to get the ball to him. It fell into his hands and he just screwed it up at the end. No, Grady is creating these looks by sprinting all around the floor, 
always making sure he's paying attention as a cutter, knowing that, okay, if I'm cutting, I'm dragging a defender with me. This opens up my side of the floor. I'm going to leak out to the opposite side of the floor. And maybe if I open up my side of the floor, the ball goes there. There's more room. The defense has to collapse again. Now I'm open on the weak side. Like this is the cat and mouse game that Grady is always playing. He, and he does a fantastic job. And he, his relocation, his work off the ball, so impressive. I'm pretty disappointed that he only played, what, like five minutes, six minutes? I, I thought Grady probably could have gotten more minutes in there. Um, I, I know Malachi only played four and a half. Jalen McDaniels played way too many minutes. And um, I just, Precious, Precious, I thought the first half, he had a good first half. I think he struggled a little bit in the second half, to be sure. But the Raptors were also like, he was fouling the hell out of guys. They needed help on the glass, to be certain. And Dar Darko waited too long to go to Boucher. He, he waited too long to go to Boucher. He'll probably say the same thing, I reckon. And um, the Raptors are currently going forward, going to be a team that's trying to discern, you know, how do we make these lineups work? without that guard because Malkai probably isn't good enough to justify being played over three or four guys here at least in my mind right so how do we play the offense we want to play without a guard okay if what we're doing is instead of running through pick and roll initiation with a guard we're going to be running more of the dribble handoff hub stuff then that means probably that precious is playing more minutes too and so precious has to play more minutes as a hub maybe it is it also maybe means that Thaddeus Young is getting onto the second the second lineups because he's a guy that they can run through as a hub too. And Boucher, for as good as Boucher is at a bunch of things, he's not really a guy who's a good dribble handoff hub. He's really slender for the screening. His reads aren't that good at the top of the arc. It's just how it is. He's much better playing off, you know, other players as a cutter and playing off of, you know, and, and being able to obviously crash the offensive glass. This is this is what Chris is meant to do. He's not supposed to be the hub. Been talking for 33 minutes straight. I'm going to grab a little drink of water. Forgive me. And we're back. Okay. J-Mac is a great wing. He's a steal. He's just getting used to this system. Could be. Um, his point of attack defense has been bad so far, and he hasn't made any of his shots. But we saw how some of this can really work in the preseason. J-Mac has had stretches as a good point of attack defender, or at least a passable one, which is impressive given how tall he is and how difficult it is for bigger guys to get around screens, to kind of snake around, stab step, walk and trail, find your way back in. Um, he, he did a good job of, of cutting in the preseason. He hasn't had as many opportunities to cut to the rim and like slip into space in the regular season. And he's just missed the open shots. Hopefully those fall. But I, I do think that of the guys at the back end of the roster, Jalen McDaniels, we're talking about a guy who certainly has upside. Um, as you say here, you watched him before. He got to us. He's got huge upside. I don't know about huge. He's had good, meaningful runs with, with Charlotte. He certainly shot the ball well against the 76ers last year. I watched a lot of his tape. But um, huge upside, we'll see. He's a biannual exception player. These guys who make this amount of money, they're not supposed to save your season. And he certainly didn't help out this game much, but 
the the season cannot rest on these shoulders. What what determines the Raptors' success going forward is, of course, how they integrate Siakam, OG, and Scotty on offense. Their defense is good. It's great. It was fantastic tonight. What dictates their success? Dennis Schroeder is a mid-level exception guard who is in year 10. He can have a really good year with the Raptors. I tweeted out the other day that he has the potential to be like, for the money, the most impactful free agent they've ever signed, which speaks to the Raptors' lack of punch as far as in free agency, but also that Dennis could have a really good year. He had 10 and 10 tonight. But also, a mid-level exception guard is not supposed to turn around your season either. Your fourth overall pick, your max player, and your guy who's hoping to get paid like north of $30 million a year in OG Ananobi, who should hang out in like defensive player of the year conversations and should be a shoe-in for an all-defensive selection. These guys, and Pirtle, who Masai said is a top 10 center, these guys are supposed to dictate what happens game to game. Gary, I really liked how he finished this game, but Gary also shouldn't be a guy dictating what happens game to game. The Raptors have to work really hard to maximize their wings because this is a team built around three wings, none of which have a pull-up three-point jumper. I know OG hit two of them, uh, you know, in game one. That was fantastic, but this isn't historically something he has had. This team is built around three wings who have very clear limitations in their game, but they also, they do a lot of things really well. So yeah, it's tough. We have another question, something I've kind of been repeating over the course of this podcast, but why can't four guys clear out and let Pascal work on the block? This identity is similar to nurses, Spanish pick and roll at the top. Let the PG find something, not enough cutting, ATO suck. So actually funny thing, nurse, as far as like the after timeout plays, the points per possession, the Raptors were one of the best teams in the league every year under nurse, as crazy as that sounds. But Pascal working on the block, if there's not enough shooting on the rest of the floor, you effectively can play pack line defense, which is where you have one guy playing defense at the point of attack and every other defender has a foot in the paint. This means that Siakam, as good as he is at beating his primary defender, if it's a small guy, beating them on the block by getting a back down, if it's a big guy, beating them into space, drawing a foul, getting all the way to the rim, that help is like a step away, even less than a step away. It's, And you're relegating Pascal, like he's been relegated many times, to shooting a heap of short mid-range and long mid-range jumpers. The Raptors are going to be happier this season to change the complexion of how the offense works and lose more games than they did last year if it means that you're just not relying on a bunch of mid-range. They want to they want to impact the offense and change the way that it flows. I personally, I talked about this as I said, you know, earlier with coaches, with scouts, with analysts about how the Raptors would do inputting and making sure and instituting a system that relies on shooting without shooting. It's it's tough. Nobody felt confident about it. The Raptors have to take little wins. The Raptors have to take big wins when they get them. The big wins currently, man, it's it's Scotty Barnes. Big win so far this season. Even at one and one, big win. Scotty unbelievable start to the season it's been tough for pascal og getting that cramp 
changed the game. They probably win the game if OG doesn't get that cramp. Um, they got they fouled a lot down the stretch. Jakob, Precious, Boucher, Scotty finishing with five fouls. It's um, it's tough. But the defense has been fantastic. Scotty has been fantastic. Grady, whenever that shot comes around, it's going to be fantastic. Um, and, and you'll be able to build out a ton of offensive sets just based off of the two-man pairing of Grady Dick and Scotty. That is, I'm so confident about that. And uh, we have a comment that says, you cannot change without the right personnel. Um, I agree, mostly. This I got a lot of flack during the summer and leading up to the preseason for talking about the limitations I saw for the Raptors offense. And everybody told me Darko can make it happen. And I, as somebody who talks to coaches, both head and assistant and, you know, high school level, college level, as somebody who talks to the pro scouts, and I watch a ton of film myself, and that's my calling card, believe it or not, is kind of analyzing the game from that point of view. I had a tough time seeing it, and everybody else did too. But I got a lot of flack for saying that. We're hitting that wall currently. I want to see if Darko can navigate that from like a decision-making point of view. I want to see if the players can find new strengths within their games. I want to see if you know they're able to emulate uh, what they did against the the Timberwolves in shooting 44% on above-the-break threes. I'm not super confident, but I'm confident in Scotty Barnes' future. I'm confident in Grady Dick. I'm confident in a lot of the players that are under contract heading into the future. Jakob Pertl is a great center. Scotty Barnes will be immensely important to this franchise for however long. Grady Dick, I feel very strongly about. This team is in flux. It could go one way. It could go another. But they play great defense. They do their thing. And this game was basically like a distillation of that idea. They are in flux. The hierarchy is changing and fluid on a possession-to-possession basis. The defense is fantastic. There's some boneheaded decision-making. There's a lack of... Like, they're not very clinical down the stretch, and they have some bad injury luck, and they aren't able to score the basketball. They're trying to navigate their limitations while also making sure that they find out what those limitations are. Because they want the data. They want to understand, hey, what's going on with this team? How should we build this team going forward? And a lot of people in the chat and a lot of people that I see talk about the game on Twitter talk about it like we very clearly built a team that can't shoot the ball. We built a team with a ton of limitations. What are we doing? Maybe the Raptors aren't that pessimistic about it. Maybe they're in a tough position with pessimism. Or maybe they're optimistic and they think it's going to work out. But regardless, we're going to see it. They have to figure out what works and what doesn't. And so we're seeing a ton of what doesn't work. But we're also seeing a ton of what does. And with the free agent stuff coming forward, all that kind of stuff, who knows what the team looks like next year. This... If you don't give guys extensions, if you let them reach the last year, not protected by restricted free agency, like his precious is, he he expires at the end of this year technically, but he's a restricted free agent, right? So another team could give precious the bag and we wouldn't have precious on this team anymore, but probably the Raptors will retain him. He's protected by restricted. Gary, Pascal, OG, not protected. That could shake out anyway. But the guys who are under contract, I feel good about. The defensive bones of this team are very, very strong. And who knows how many of those guys come back. It's just game two of the season. 
this this season could still be good. They probably at this point still have the number after two games, the number one defense in basketball. They, you can't take that for granted. They also have the worst offense in basketball. That's, you know, the, it's they exist on the polarities. This is kind of how it's shaking up. The Raptors have to find the middle ground, um, hopefully on the offense. They were the 12th ranked offense last season. They were bottom five in the half court, but 12th overall because of how they pushed in transition. They weren't able to create so, so much transition in this game and certainly not efficient transition because they made a lot of mistakes. They're going to put themselves in a position to win a lot of games. But, you know, here's the thing. The Bulls are not world beaters. Losing to this Bulls team after having the game in hand, after losing to this Bulls team having the play-in game in hand, not good. And the decisions for the future of the team, they're not being made tonight. Masai is not like a, a big trade deadline guy. In fact, he said in the past, like, you know, I don't think the trade deadline is a good time to make decisions for the future. And the, even the trade deadline is like months and months away. We, we were second on D as of first game. Yeah, probably first after after tonight, I reckon. Um, we'll see what happens. But the Raptors do a lot of um, a lot of good things. And they do a lot of bad things. They got to figure out how to do more of the good and mitigate more of the bad. That's kind of where we are. Okay, I saw, uh, if anybody, I'm going to take a few questions, then I'm going to get out of here. I got to still write a piece. There's more work to come, all that kind of stuff. We have a question. Is there a world where both Pascal and OG are gone at the deadline? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't think both. I think, I know there are teams that are very interested in both players. I know both players have been discussed like 100%. The Raptors, as much as they want to kick it around like, oh, we only talked to Atlanta and just once over these past however many years. Guys, Pascal has been discussed. Players get discussed. OG has been discussed. We'll see what happens. But I don't think both go at the deadline. That would be like... I mean, we saw Rudy Gobert and, and um, Donovan Mitchell go in the same summer. And that was like an unbelievable fire sale. I think if OG and Pascal both went at, a, at the deadline, that would be like the biggest deadline fire sale that I can even remember. You're talking about a player in OG who, while he might not make an all-star team, typically gives you similar impact to an all-star when he's on the floor. And you're talking about a two-time All-NBA, two-time All-Star in Pascal. If both those guys leave in the same trade deadline, that would be crazy. That would be a lot. So I would err on the side of no, that's not happening. I think one of them is definitely in play. Um, but that's all dependent on how the Raptors navigate their um, troubles on offense because they defend the hell out of the basketball. They did tonight. They just need to score more and make less mistakes, obviously. But... If they score the ball even a little bit, then this is fine. That's that's kind of fun. Um, we have a question from Jet. It says, Samson, can we wave Flynn now and still get Doughton? They won't do that because they $4 million is not a lot in the NBA. But the Raptors, as far as like proximity to the cap, they're gonna give they're gonna keep giving Malachi shots over the first third of the season at the very least, I reckon. And um, yeah, they're probably not like Malachi's on the team. 
that's that's just kind of I don't think they'll they'll eat his um I don't think they'll eat his contract or anything like that. Um oh yeah, Kevin Durant and Kyrie at the deadline. That's a little bit bigger than Pascal and OG, yeah. But I guess that there was a lot of different motivators than just basketball with what happened there. But yeah, good point. Um so maybe second second biggest fire sale, I should say. Um we have another question here. Um okay. If you could trade for a player to improve this roster, who would it be? A player who I think would really elevate. I wanted Malik Monk on this team a long time ago. I advocated for him when he signed that minimum contract with the Lakers. I was like, he'd be so good on the Raptors. Malik Monk would be really, really good on this Raptors team. Um, a guy like you could you could pluck basically any of the like Kevin Herders or Malik Monks off the Kings and put them here. Buddy Heels from the Pacers, I think, would be really great for what the Raptors are trying to do. These. Malik Monk is a higher buy guy, but Buddy Heald, I really wanted the Raptors to go after um, in recent history. And that's a guy who I think would really improve what the Raptors are trying to do. And I think he's a player that the Raptors would be able to hide on defense and still be able to trot out good defensive lineups. Um, so somebody like that, but I don't, I don't think that's... If Pascal ends up going to Indiana, if OG goes, ends up going to Indiana there's a good chance that healed would be the primary contract in one of those trades. But uh, yeah, um, it seems like Pascal is passive for most of the game. Do you think the coaching staff is asking him to step back for a few games to let other guys show what they got? I think Pascal is letting the offense try to do what the offense is trying to do. And that's not necessarily saying like, Hey, Pascal, you're going to be more passive here. It's saying Pascal we're playing more of a team-wide concept here where the ball isn't always going to, you know, funnel into your hands, although it did late, right? After they tried the initial, the primary action was to get Scotty um, the ball, but, you know, they get under 10 seconds on the shot clock. Scotty's below the free throw line. They give it to Pascal. Obviously, he turns the ball over. Jeez, Caruso comes back and hits that three. I think it's just the, a result of the offense. We saw this happen in every single preseason game. The Raptors running through like the post hub stuff or the high post stuff with Jakob, the shots that we're getting that Pascal, Scotty and OG were all getting were inconsistent. The the half court offense doesn't know how to create shots for their wings right now. It's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. So we'll see what happens with that. Okay. Some more questions. Um, Grab some talent from the Pelicans, that young Aussie big point guard. Oh man, the Pelicans, they got a slew of guys. Um, I'm really sad Trey Murphy got injured because he's a... Uh, I love Trey Murphy's game. He's awesome. They, they have a ton of really fun guys on uh, on the Pelicans. Here's a good one. If you swap Paul George and Pascal Siakam, does this team improve, get worse, or stay the same? I think they probably improve marginally. Um, but Paul George can't play, can't lead the league in minutes. I mean, they improve marginally in the games that Paul George plays, maybe. But Paul George can't play 38 minutes a game. He can't lead the league in minutes two years in a row. He can't do any of that remotely. And I love Paul George. He's one of my favorite wings I've ever watched in my life. And I think his game is just like gorgeous. But uh, yeah, the Paul George-Pascal swap is obviously just hypothetical. But uh, yeah, um, if we're talking about Keegan Murray of the of the Kings... Uh, I talked to Brendan Nunez, who covers the Kings, kind of about when the Kings were kicking around, um, trying to trade for either Pascal or OG. 
Keegan is a guy that they withheld from the rap, the OG trades. Keegan would have been a guy that they discussed for Pascal. Um, but Pascal's obviously much better. How can we open up more shots for Precious Achua is my main concern. We saw it. Make sure that OG is on the floor. Make sure that another shooter is on the floor and run big, big pick and rolls with Pascal and Precious and Scotty and Precious. And Precious, keep setting good screens. Keep rolling. That's um, that's kind of what it is. Is it normal that we don't have the post-game comments yet? That is not normal. Maybe, maybe they're out or just haven't been posted or something like that. But So, for example, when I go to a Raptors game, like when I go there tomorrow, I think the game starts at 7.30. 5.45, we go to the media room. We talk to, I guess it's Darko, not Nick Nurse this time. We talk to Darko at 5.45. An hour and 45 minutes before tip. <sighs> After the game, I think coaches are supposed to be there at least 10 minutes after the final whistle. So, and players, we wait for players all the time. Coaches are quick, but players, some of them go straight there. Some of them want to shower and put on the fit and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I guess we'll we'll see. But it is weird that nothing's been posted so far, I guess. But I don't know what, uh, what any, any of that means. But yeah, that's kind of the timeline. Um, usually you get like a, the coach within 10 minutes of the game ending. And then the first player will be like, I don't know, 12, maybe like 10, 15 minutes after that. Sometimes it's 25, sometimes it's 30. Like there was one time I stayed to talk to Gary. I was at the at the arena for like two hours. And by the time Gary actually came out, it was just myself and Adam. Like the, the media room was completely empty. And so it was just us talking to him. Like that happens all the time. Players can take a long time. It would be funny if they were having a players only meeting. There's no way that's happening though, but it would be really funny because it's like the bulls are like the sick kid. Like ha they have lice on the, on the playground. It's like whoever plays with the bulls, the version of lice is a players only meeting. That would be hilarious. Uh, any news on Coloco? This is the last thing I'll answer before we get out of here. Um, any news on Coloco? Um, and I wish we had Jalen Harris. He's a bucket. Nothing on Coloco. I haven't talked to Christian in a while. So nothing on the personal, like, hey, have I talked to Christian? And the Raptors haven't updated his condition at all. So nothing on Coloco, unfortunately. And Jalen Harris? Jalen Harris will be a bucket getter at lower levels of basketball for a long time, I think. Um, but he's he's just not an NBA player right now. A lot of guys add and make their way back into the league. Who knows? But yeah, I like Jalen Harris in his first year. I thought he was like a fun fun guy to have on the team, but obviously had some stuff happen. Okay. If anybody wants to like the video, I think that helps push it to other people. Um, for people who want to watch this afterwards, the people listening on the podcast after it comes out on their podcast app, you know, on their walk in the morning, late night, listening, searching for some catharsis or hopefully some analysis that you like. Thank you for tuning in commenters you guys make this way way easier there's so many like intelligent and insightful comments that provide like great fodder and like oh you know really easy for me to bounce back off of so the commenters thank you for coming in and listening that's fantastic um i really appreciate it having this many people come in and watch and listen is just um is fantastic so thank you to everybody for listening whether it was live whether it was you know after the game on your walk, whatever it is. 
um yeah thanks for hopping in okay that's it for me i've been samson folk this is the raptors reaction podcast the live version and whether you got into this in the morning or at night have a blessed day and goodbye we'll see ya